0: Hey there friends, Jay Revel here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mid-Am Crisis. I am awfully pleased to bring you another episode that I think you're going to really enjoy. Today's guest is none other than my friend Alan Shipnuck, senior writer at Golf.com. Alan is one of the best golf writers in the business. Uh, He's been in it for probably going on a quarter century now. Uh, Sort of the child prodigy at Sports Illustrated And now, again, one of the great voices in the game of golf Uh, We caught up as he was coming off uh, Covering a Masters unlike any other Uh, He was on the ground in Augusta For that rare November Masters We all just had the opportunity to enjoy Uh, So certainly we talked about that We talked about the evolution of the game of golf Uh, Dustin Johnson's incredible run he's been on And, of course, we uh, dove into where he lives in the world, which is uh, one of my favorite places, Carmel, California. Uh, The Monterey Peninsula talked a little bit about that and also dove into uh, the future of golf journalism. It was a great conversation. I was so uh, just blessed to have Alan on the phone for a little bit and catch up. He's been a great uh, friend to me, someone who has helped me get some of my words published uh, over the last couple of years, and just a an all-around great guy. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think you're going to like it. Uh as always, if you're enjoying the show, I hope you will leave us a review on your favorite uh listening channel, uh tell your friends about it and be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh it's been fun watching the numbers climb recently and getting a lot of great feedback from people and I, again, as long as people keep digging the show, I'll keep churning them out. I'm having a lot of fun with it, having some great conversations with people, uh, and I'm enjoying the feedback I'm getting. And, of course, suggestions for people that I should bring on the show. So if you ever have any feedback or thoughts, hit me up. Uh, I, I love to hear from you. And maybe you can be a guest on an episode uh, in the not-too-distant future. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it as always. I'll leave you with one final uh, selfless plug If you're looking for the perfect stocking stuffer uh, as we get into the holiday season for the golfer in your life, I hope you'll give uh, my book, The Nine Virtues of Golf, a look. It's available on Amazon. And if you want a custom signed version of the book, just drop me a note. I'd love to send you one, uh, and we can personalize it and make it uh, something that's a unique golf gift uh, for the people you know who love the game. Anywho, without further ado... Here's my conversation with Alan Shipnuck. Thanks for listening as always. Looking forward to hearing from you very soon.
1: Alan. Hey Jay, how's it going?
0: Uh, It's going well, man. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm still recovering from Augusta, but uh, that was quite an experience and uh, just no rest for the weary. You know, the PGA Tour season marches on and everything else. So, uh, but life is good. I can't complain. Well, there's
0: certainly worse things you could uh, have to recover from, I suppose. But uh, a few days in the good graces of the green jackets is a uh, nice thing to have to come back from.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was it was such an interesting experience. It's actually my twenty fifth masters and so I've I've been lucky to see a lot of changes around that place and, and see the course play a lot of different ways. Um and of course we know this was this was a highly unusual one. The the best part was the spectating because uh at, at every other, you know, professional golf event we're blessed to get inside the ropes and you can um the teaming masses it's really it's really necessary if you're gonna if you're gonna Trying to observe what's happening out there and bring a sense of intimacy to your reporting, and uh, Augusta, they don't let you inside the ropes, and so it's it's not easy to to see and feel connected to what what's happening just uh, from from the, the the tournament action standpoint. And so to be out there, not even no fans, but they didn't, they didn't even have ropes; they just painted some lines on the ground where to stand. And uh, you know, you never felt so connected to the shots. I mean. Uh, just incredible views and, and taking away the the grandstands and the, the clutter and the people, just the, the way Augusta National looked different. You know, you could, when you were on 13 fairway, you could see not only 14 T, but you could see 15 fairway and all, all that stuff's hidden usually by, by people and infrastructure and uh, a lot a lot of little glimpses like that. Well, just... It, it made the course feel smaller and it made the experience so different so that it was really a, a special thing to uh, to get a, a master's all to ourselves you know the lucky few who were there and um, of course the not having the crowds was you missed that electricity and and the roars and and uh, so there was there was uh, you know coronavirus giveth and taketh away but it was certainly a unique experience and I'm I'm, I'm really happy I got to be there. I had a chance
0: uh, last year to go to the inaugural women's am and do some reporting up there. And, you know, I didn't get a a hard figure, but the, the, uh, the, the great Intel I was getting from the uh, lovely ladies uh, working the uh, uh, food and uh, uh, beer line was that they probably, they thought it was somewhere between three and 5,000 people that they let in. And it was crazy, man. it was like being able to get into like a, you know, it was like it felt like a preview party for the Masters. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I mean, we could get I, right up on the action on every shot. I watched um, the entire duel between Cupcho um, uh, and Fosse coming down the back nine. I, I didn't miss a single shot. Never had, never had a crowd around me. It was truly remarkable, and that's what it made me think of. when I was watching, you know, kind of watching from afar, but um, it had to have been. Pretty surreal, I would imagine. I, I enjoyed the piece you wrote about, um, kind of that whole vibe. That was pretty cool. Really intimate.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a preview of what's going to happen in um, 2021. I mean, talking to some Green Jackets on the grounds. Of course, if if there's some mega breakthrough on the on the vaccine front and it's produced and distributed in, in numbers that seem unlikely, but. Uh, forecasting ahead, I mean, I think they're probably going to let three or five thousand fans on the grounds. They'll be tested every day, and wow. uh, there'll be there'll be some sense of a gallery. Uh, it won't it won't be like it usually is, but I think enough to to give some ambiance, and it uh, would that'd be enough to justify the bringing back the Part three tournament because that was kind of the reason they did it. Is it's like without yes. fans, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think. I think that's the plan because for the reporters that were covering this master's, I mean, the, we all had to get tested and it couldn't have been easier. You went through a, a gate at kind of the, the fringe of the Augusta national property drive through violated by a Q-tip. And then, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes later we had our results and, um, they were sort of beamed into the, the master, um, computer where we, you know, we'd swipe our credential. They would know that we passed and we were in. So, I mean, Augusta has the resources and technology to make it work. So, um, I, I think there will be fans. But of course, the, the way the virus numbers are going now, and heading into winter, if things get totally out of control, that could change. But right now, they're kind of gearing up to have have kind of an experience like you had at the Women's Amateur. And again, that would be the greatest master's ticket ever for the general oh. public. If you can get in next year. Yeah. No
0: kidding. Yeah. Those will come with a uh, hefty price tag for the secondary market, which <laughs> yeah. people like to pretend doesn't exist. But um, the uh, I have to imagine that's probably the nicest COVID testing facility in America. You probably went through.
1: Yeah. Well, it's actually, I mean, I've now been tested four times. I'm helping to keep our national in- infection rate down. But uh, when I cover the dinosaur it was the same thing. Uh, th- this one was it was off campus, but you know, the yeah. drive-through season, you just pull up, you, know, you roll your window down, they they do the swab, and you drive away. So, um, and you know, again, we're talking four or five months from now, though, even probably more advances, and they'll be even more seamless. So it's it's an it's interesting to, it's an interesting mind experiment just to think about what the Masters would be like with limited fans, but it would, it would it would certainly help. Even, even with the 300 people or whoever were there, I mean, it, everyone cluster is an obvious spot. You know, there's 1T, there's back of 2 green, um, back of 7 green, 10T, obviously Amen Corner, 15 green slash 16T, and then, of course, behind 18. And so even if you only had 3,000 people, it would look good because all, all 3,000 people are going to be in kind of similar spots on Sundays yeah. as, as the action progresses.
0: What was the vibe like? You know, obviously, you know, probably a little different because DJ was kept climbing ahead. But, you know, coming down that stretch on Sunday, you know, you started to see a little bit more of the, the limited crowd that was there congregating around the final group. I mean, w- what was that scene like?
1: Well, it was it was interesting. I, I mean, the so there was... First of all, there was there was green jackets in their green jackets and the guys who had sort of official tournament roles were wearing their blazers, the club members. And the, during tournament week, traditionally, every member is turned out in their jacket. But uh-huh. they said th- for this year, that wasn't necessary because they were, I mean, the tradition began, uh, as the story goes, in the first few masters, Clifford Roberts wanted uh, the, the members to be able to advise the fans on how to get around or questions. <laughs> sorry that's my dog Monty. and um and so uh you know it was it was to help the spectators and uh but with no spectators they told the members they didn't have to wear their jackets so uh you know you had Peyton Manning just out there in a windbreaker and uh, so that was kind of funny to to some of these people you know Roger Goodell I mean some of them are pretty uh visible even without the jacket but that was, so that was kind of a parlor game throughout the week is just keeping on tabs on on who the members were and what they were doing but um yeah, it was, it was, it was subdued because, uh, the, the, you know, reporters are, are somewhat impartial. We're not going to be out there cheering. I, uh, the, but it, it was kind of neat. A lot of players wandered down because they could, you know, in the past, um, it, it's, it's such a crush of humanity around 18, but I, I saw probably 10 or 12 players who walked down just to kind of see DJ finish and, and be there to soak in the scene. So that, that was, that was kind of neat. And, um, I think someone asked me in the wake of it because um, the way the course played and, um, and not only the the low scores, but you could, you could see parts, you know, patches where there wasn't good turf and the tee boxes were beat up and um, which I loved by the way, because it, it actually looked like a real golf course instead of Disneyland. You know, it was like, Oh yeah, well, the horror, there's some, some divot holes and there's <laughs> uh, you know, it's, this is what a golf course looks like when golfers play it. So I thought that was cool, but so, you know, did the green jackets regret it? And my answer to that is, you know, if Cam Smith had won, they, they might've, but you had, you had the number one player in the world uh, really establishing himself as a player for the ages. And uh, you know, the fact that Dustin won it in such convincing fashion really, I think elevates the importance of this masters and uh, the, the winning score is irrelevant. I mean, any, any golf course with soft greens. These guys are going to tear apart and that's just how it is. Um, so, Um But I thought, you know, it, it, was, it was too bad that it rained so much on right Thursday morning and they could never get any fire back in the golf course, but there's been plenty of, of April masters where the course is compromised by weather. So um I, I think in the end, the players were deeply grateful. They got to, they got to compete for, a green jacket it was it was great for for sports fans you know the the digital offerings that you know being able to watch every single shot was was phenomenal and so i, I don't think there's any regret i mean I, I think it was the best they could do under the circumstances They got an incredible winner and uh, on to the next one so um there was a sense of pride to answer your question i mean i you could feel it from the club like we did it we pulled it off we got a great winner it was a crazy year, but we gave back in the way that we could. And, um, and now we're just going to march forward. Yeah. I,
0: you know, I, I had a similar feeling just as a fan and that, you know, I kind of felt grateful, you know, the the green jackets get a lot of criticism, uh, you know, through the years, although, you know, the Riddler uh, seems to be doing a phenomenal job of really changing, I mean, truth, truthfully changing, the perception of the club. I think, I think these you know initiatives that he keeps laying out year after year are pretty, are pretty damn cool. And, you know, I just felt like I was like, you know, they didn't have to do it. Um, but they did. And, and I felt like we all got rewarded to see, um, you know, to your point, it was a, it was a refreshing take of Augusta. It felt like, you know, um, you know, this probably a, a stretch, but it, it felt a little more relatable. um, Cause we're all having to go through, you know, certain modifications, just, you know, whether it's at work or at home or whatever, you know, everybody's going through changes. And even, you know, the, these folks who seemingly can be, uh, uh, you know, the, the problems of the world don't seem to affect them sometimes, uh, are being affected by, it. I just found the whole thing to be a, a delight. Uh, it was nice to watch. It was especially the week after the election with all this craziness it's been going on you know for so long it was like man you know we get to check out and watch the masters for four days sign me
1: up can we do it every november you know <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think anyone would mind if they did two masters a year mm-hmm. i mean maybe <laughs> really that, that could be his legacy he, he doubled he doubled our pleasure uh yeah so uh, yeah it's crazy to think we're gonna do it again in, in less than five months now so um then it it'll be really neat if, if they could get a firm, fast, fiery golf course and it would play um in a totally different manner. And I mean Dustin's gonna be a huge favorite. I would love to see him win it. He doesn't need to validate this one, but it would be it would be cool for his legacy to um, you know, if he could if he could get one more in more traditional setting. I think the odds of him
0: winning more went up considerably uh after that win I, I just i feel like um you you could see it you know he kind of had this um i just sort of seems like the pressure was maybe off of him now you know i mean uh you know it, it was it was the perfect kind of Masters for him to win and then maybe propel him to more uh it just felt like it was a
1: very dj style it was just perfect for him you know i agree and it, it's time to now start talking about what a historic run the guy is on. I mean, he's, he's in a four or five year stretch here of some of the best golfs ever been played. And, uh, you know, Oakmont is the ultimate U S open venue. He conquered that. He's, he's now won a masters. Um, I can't wait to see what he, what he does from here because, uh, you know, he might be playing at a higher level than any human being has ever played. When you consider the um, the way the game has evolved, the, the equipment, the training. Um, I I know it sounds, it sounds crazy to think that way, but what he's doing to the golf ball, the the utter control he has of it and his efficiency. I mean, if if you, if you, if you took the 2000 tiger woods with his equipment and you you put him against the 2020 Dustin Johnson, that'd be a hell of a battle. Um, you know, cause they're, they're playing slightly different games now. And that's how it is in every sport. I mean, we don't want to acknowledge it in golf. It's become kind of this taboo subject, but mm-hmm. in every, in every sport, athletes get better, bigger, faster, stronger, more efficient. And golf is in the middle of uh, kind of an, another revolution. And Dustin's been in the vanguard uh, and he, he's just playing at an incredibly high level. And, um, uh, so, you know, some of his follies in, in the majors have, have obscured that, I think, to some degree. But, um, if he can go on to run here and start picking them off with more frequency, uh, I think he'll he'll be recognized belatedly for, for what he's doing because it's, it's really, it, it's, it's next level golf that he's playing.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's right. You know, you talked about kind of the revolutions, right? I mean, so when Tiger hit his peak, you know, 2000, 2001, um, that was a revolution and the response from Augusta was tighter, longer, um, you know, with other implements put in place. What do you think they end up doing? Um, I I feel like the ball is actually, you know, know, no pun intended, but the ball is in their court. Um, If anyone acts, it will be them uh, because they have the unique ability or the unique position to try and protect this, you know, legendary golf course. Um, What do you think, what do you
1: think they do in the next few years as far as equipment, technology, ball, all that stuff goes? It's really not their fight. I mean, we already have governing bodies whose mandate is to regulate equipment and it's not fair to make Augusta do it. I mean, if, if, if they introduce a master's ball just for that one week, it makes the whole thing a farce. I mean, it'd be like raising the rims to 11 feet for just the NBA finals. It, mm-hmm. It'd be the, it's the same game, but it's different. I mean, guys have spent years or decades optimizing their equipment and their, their swing and their launch condition. And also, also after we learn everything um, to play the most important tournament, It it's, it's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the masters. I mean, what they venerate around there is tradition and continuity and history. They don't want to have their entire tournament overshadowed by uh, a golf ball. And so I think the last thing they want to do is, is have to go down this road, but I think they, they can apply a lot of pressure to the USGA and the RNA. It's their job to, you know, of course, I mean, they've been asleep at the wheel for two decades now. So I'm sure the Green Jackets are frustrated, but um you know, I think they, they could keep they can keep making changes to the course. I mean, if you move the 13 tee box just five yards to the left, yeah. that drive becomes so much more difficult. Um, I, I think they can keep making subtle changes like that. I mean bunkers can be moved, uh tee boxes can be adjusted. It's ridiculous that, that it has to be done over and over again, and it's pathetic, but it's still a better solution than um, than, than coming up with a, a master's ball, which would be, again, it would overshadow the entire tournament. And uh, you would think that with everything that's happened this year, especially with Matt Wolf and obviously Bryson DeChambeau, that the USGA is finally going to act. and it doesn't have to be the the ball per se. I mean, I've been saying for a while now, a a simple fix would be just make the maximum club head size for, for a driver or any, any wood like cut in half, make it 230 CCs, like kind of like the drivers that that we grew up using. Mm -hmm. Cause you remember it it used to be a risk to hit driver because it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was the penalty was, was so high for a miss hit. And now it's the easiest club to hit. I mean these guys can swing as hard as they want. The sweet spot's so gigantic. Um, and so if if you made the if you made the clubhead that, that much smaller, the penalty becomes much steeper for a bad swing. It forces guys to ease off the gas just a little bit. But you're still rewarded. If you absolutely flush it, it's still gonna go really far. And I mean hitting it long and straight is a is a skill and a talent that should be rewarded. Um, but it's come too cheap now. And so um, you know, there's there's various there's various solutions that would be, because if if you if you if you do a throttle back ball and all of a sudden Bryson's driving at 270, the the game you lose the wow factor because I yeah. can drive at 2 I can drive at 270, mm-hmm. and so um, you know we we're drawn to professional athletes because they could do things that we can't and, and that's what makes spectating fun and so bifurcation is problematic I mean from the standpoint it's an it's an entertainment product and. Um, if the guys start hitting it short, you lose a lot of entertainment value, even though I love the classic courses and I want to protect them, we just have to find a better balance. So, um, you know, I would, I would start with the club head size and, and see if that makes a material difference. I believe it would.
0: Yeah. One of the things I wonder about too, that could be a tweak is, you know, the, the drivers don't have grooves anymore. They're just a solid, you know, metal face. And I wonder if one of you know again one of those sort of weird little tweaks you might can make is okay you know every club other than the putter has to have grooves on it, um you know it puts more spin on the ball and yeah you know, I I think you know to your point is it, what it, it it sort of feels like to me that we've hit a point where uh, even though these guys are incredibly talented and obviously you know just World-class athletes and their their skill sets are just amazingly impressive. I think that the equipment diminishes uh, their ability to show off their skills. You know what I mean? Like I I, I feel yeah. like um, you know, we 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 fantasize about you know watching Seve work a ball around a golf course because it truly was this magical you know thing to behold. You know, Bubba kind of one of the last people that really works the ball. And, and, you know, that to me was always a showcase of, of skill that these guys could, could do that. And now it's, you know, when you just kind of hit it straight, hit it far, hit it high, uh, hit it online, it, 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 feels like it doesn't um, uh, require as much. And I think, you know, to, you talk about kind of the way DJ is playing these days, you know, he, he is picking these golf courses apart And he's doing it in a way that is really cool to see and watch. And, I mean, he's just – he is a generational talent. Um, But I think it also makes one of those scenarios where uh, it's harder to to notice the difference between good and great because of the equipment.
1: Well, without a doubt. And, I mean, one of the things that ended Seve Ballesteros' run was a 60-degree wedge because his biggest advantage was in the short game and the things he could do with the old wedge and all of a sudden everyone else had some of the shots that only he had. And it's just like, you know, what Greg Norman and Tiger Woods advantage was they could, they could drive it so long. Um, but equipment brought everyone else closer to them. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with Dustin. I mean, if, if the equipment gets throttled back, his advantage will grow because he hits it so flush and that's not going to change, but it's, the guys who are getting away with with the mediocre strikes because they have so much technology in their hands you know instead of instead of being on the green 40 feet away now they're in the creek or they're they're short-sided in the bunker you know dustin's dustin's going to hit every fair and every green no matter what you give him but it's the it's the other guys who are going to struggle so you know the best players would would be even more dominant
0: i i feel like one of the yeah. things we uh, are almost robbed of because of the technology today. Is we we don't uh, our measure of the generational player, quote unquote, has to be different. And DJ is kind of the poster child of this, and maybe even you know Rory to some extent. But because the technology has equalized so much of the talent, I don't know if you'll ever see anybody hit nine, ten majors again. Um, I mean, it it feels like the, the, it's so much harder for them to separate themselves on a level that was once a possibility. I mean, nowadays it feels like if you get to that four, five, six number, you've, you've really done something.
1: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's kind of what makes DJs, you know, five-year run now, even more incredible. He just needs a a few more major championships to, to validate it, but, uh, it's never been harder to separate yourself and, you know part of what ended ended Sevy Ballesteros's reign was the advent of the 60 degree wedge where all of a sudden every other player could do what around the greens, but only Sevy could. And, you know, Norman and Tiger, they lost a big advantage when um, the, the the big Bertha and other drivers like that kind of changed the game because they were so, they were so long with the old drivers and now everyone else started to catch up. And um, you see, you see that, you know, it, it's happened at various points in golf history, but, Um, you're right The the depth of talent, the the fact that everyone is now fully optimized, not only their equipment, but their bodies, their minds. I mean, it's never been harder to, to, to break away. And so when, when, when you see a guy like Dustin do what he's done, you you have to really understand it in the context of how hard.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it it is pretty remarkable to, to think about what he's doing. So um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, you you have uh the incredible blessing of living in probably my favorite little nook of the world uh out on the uh, uh Monterey Peninsula. What's um for those of us who just have to uh get to visit every now and then, what what's life like out there and um why can't we all enjoy it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, it is it is a wonderful place to live. I grew up in, in Salinas, uh, a little bit to the east famously the home of John Steinbeck. And so mm-hmm. I very jokingly refer to myself as the second best writer to come out of Salinas, but <laughs> there's quite a big gap between one and two. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it is really wonderful. I mean, the climate's great. There's uh, the neat thing about, about the area is it's, it's small town living, but the whole world comes to you with, you know, we have international film festival and jazz festival and, biggest you know uh, car auction in the world and uh, you just keep going down the list I mean there's a lot of culture there's a a lot of interesting people coming and going but like you know we live out in Carmel Valley we don't even lock our doors at night and it's very it's very uh, pastoral and so it's it it is nice and of course you have San Francisco's is only a couple hours away you have Silicon Valley and all the resources and brain power that's that's you know, an hour away, Big Sur, just a little bit to the south is one of the most wondrous places to explore around the planet. So it's, it's really special. And, and I I feel very blessed. And uh, of course there's, there's a lot of great golf and, and not only just to play, but also to cover, you know, I I get three tournaments a year. There's uh, the Crosby clan bake there. The senior tour comes through. And then right now, actually this week is a Pebble beach invitational, which is kind of a smaller, off-season event but a lot of pros come out as a working vacation and, and you can get stuff done so it's nice to have three weeks a year where i could I, I work without having to you know really leave home
0: you know for those who live out there you know, obviously you know when i yeah, when i've taken trips out there you know you get to play uh tacky tourist and jump around uh, you know some of the great courses um what's the local golf scene like you know for the for, for people like yourself who are playing uh you know, regularly out there, what, what's that
1: world feel like? Well, it's you know, it's same as like when I lived in New York City. Uh, it it slows down because when you're visiting, you're trying to cram so much in, and, and you have this list of things you have to do and places you have to get to. But uh, when you're here, you can just you can just enjoy it, and you start to, you know, you find the the, the places that are off the beaten path and there are more kind of local joints as opposed to tourists. And um, so yeah, it's it's really it's a special place. I mean, uh, uh, I'd, you know, my family, we'd been living in town in, in Carmel by the sea and just moved out to Car- Carmel Valley kind of deep into the Valley this summer. And so now it's hidden swimming holes in the river and it's hiking in the hills and there's all the it's great wineries out here and, and some really neat little restaurants. And so it's kind of, it's a whole universe unto itself, which is only 18 minutes from, from downtown Carmel. So uh, I I've, I've kind of been doing my own exploring and I've really loved it. And, uh so yeah, it's 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 it is just a special place. I mean, if you're going on a, a buddy's trip, you know, Bandon is still probably the greatest destination in America. But if you're going with uh, a romantic partner or maybe a few different couples, I mean, I, you can't beat this area because the, there's just the food and wine and the strolling, the shopping, the the, the natural beauty you can explore without a golf club in your hand it's, it's pretty unparalleled
0: my wife and I have basically replicated the same trip uh, with not too many variations a couple of times now you know we stay down at uh, Clint's place at the Mission Ranch yeah it's great love it super laid back you know uh, we always take a day trip down to Big Sur and eat down there at um, what's it in the Pente how you say it yeah, in the Pente place? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fabulous. Um, you know, I always sneak around a golf in, uh, at least one, maybe two, if I'm lucky. And, um, you know, a day, you know, day trip out to the valley is so cool. Like I said, you got the wine, wineries out there. And I mean, it's just, it's, I just love it. It's such a cool scene. It feels like the most laid back place on earth. Um, any yeah, again, you know, on the golf front, I you mean, know, you just, I don't know if there's anywhere with, you know, a better vibe. Um, I have yet to pull the band and trip off yet, but you know, particularly again with a with the misses in tow, uh, that's about as good as you can
1: draw up for a trip. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's a couple spots you can stand in Pebble Beach where you can see you know four top 100 courses. You can see Cypress. You can like if you're on say the um, the third tee at Spyglass, you know you can you can see Cypress, Spyglass the short course and the dunes and uh Monterey Peninsula's country club so and then of course <laughs> the, the granddaddy of is around the corner at Pebble Beach so there's um you know it, it's just the the incredible proximity of of the courses and it's really a shame I mean I I've been it's one of my pet peeves in golf is is the exclusivity of of some of these great courses I, I feel like there should be it's like you, you know, Cypress Point to me is like Yosemite. It should be a national treasure, and I wish more people would get to play it. Um, same with the courses at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. I mean, you, you come and you play Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill and Pase Tiempo. I mean, that, that's a hell of a trip. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if you if you could if you could play Cypress and you could play both courses at Monterey, it's like maybe the greatest trip on the planet. So um, I wish there was more access, but um, it's just it's just the world we live in. Uh, but they they are all they are all really you know incredible experiences. I had the pleasure
0: of playing uh monterey Peninsula shore course uh a few years ago on one of our trips Teed off at about uh two o'clock in the afternoon uh I think we were there in about October, so it was like right before daylight savings crapped out um, I had to place myself. It was unbelievable. It was, it was a truly remarkable experience. And then, you know, when you juxtapose that with, you know, pebble where, you know, obviously pebble is one of the great days you're ever going to spend, uh, on a golf course, but I mean, it's a, you know, it's six hours and you're waiting on almost every shot and, you know, you're obviously footing a big bill, but I mean, to be able to play out on the private side where I pretty much had that unbelievable oceanic experience, all to my, I mean, they, literally there was no one on the golf course. You know, it was like a Tuesday in, you know, October and late afternoon. It was just me and the caddy. We had, to, we had the whole place to ourselves and it was one of the most remarkable afternoons I've ever had. Um, so it's, it is a strange, you know, kind of, uh, mix out there with the public and private, but you know, Cyprus is my great white buffalo. It, it, it's so excruciating because you can get, you can get so close to it. You know, it's not like, you know, in Augusta, you can't, you, you can drive by the gate, you know uh, but there's nothing really you can see as a passerby, but out there you, you literally can, you know, you can make a run for it if you wanted to, you know, you could go, you could go out there and I don't know how long you'll last, but um.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but I was in college, me and some friends went out with the dark balls and played 15 and 16. <laughs> so uh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that your listeners should do the same thing, but it's been done. Uh, and yeah, it's true. I mean, there's a little turnout at, at uh, Fanshell Beach. You know, you can see 12, yeah. 13 and 14, which is one of the greatest stretchers of, of par fours on the planet. And then uh, you can just if you, if you kind of crane your neck you and get a little glimpse of 15 T. Um, and uh, of course, then we know what's around the corner. So, yeah, it's uh, you're right. I mean, you literally drive through Cypress Point. I mean, you have to if you're playing, you walk off 14 green, you have to cross 70 mile drive to get over to 15 T. So it's um, it is right there. It's so tantalizing and um, you know, it's anecdotally a lot of, a lot of the great private clubs during the time of of, uh, coronavirus have been letting outside play in um, because they're just, a lot of these old places actually rely on the the the, the, the guest play to help balance the yeah. books um, so uh, if if you 're in the area it, it never and you have a you have a local person who could write a letter uh, it, it never hurts to try i mean uh, um, i, I don 't want to say too much more cause i don 't want to get myself in trouble but I, i've <laughs> i 've been, I've been hearing stories lately about a lot of clubs that, uh, are, are actually, uh, you know, accommodating if you make the right introduction and you send a polite letter and you're willing to pay the guest fee, which is steep. So, um, I don't know. It's, um, I know Cyprus is actually easier to get on than probably any other course of its caliber in that they, they do unaccompanied guest play. So a member can just call in and, and, and get a foursome out, um, and you got to go early. You have to play between seven and 8 a.m. Um, which is kind of pure anyway, but yeah, um, you know, it, yeah, you can't, you, they're not doing that at August national or Pine Valley or places like that. I mean, the you, member has to be on site. So um, Cyprus has always been a little more um, attainable. Um, you know, if you're, if you move in certain circles in the golf world, but it's still, it does bum me out. I mean, I wish, I wish every golfer could play at once and um when I win the lottery and, and I build my, my, I have Gil Hans or whomever build me like my, my, my own golf course. I'm going to set aside a couple of days a week for everyone to play it. Cause I really, it's really a drag. You know, we, golf magazine just put out its top 100 list and um, it's fun to look at, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's like looking at playboy, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's all, it's all a fantasy, right? We all need our, our own escapes, but you know, for, for the average reader, you know, how many courses do they have access to. It's such a small number. You can play the banded courses. You, you can, you can save up for a year and maybe play Pebble and, and this and that. But the whole exercise to me is, is a little pointless when it's a tiny tribe of golfers who can really discuss the merits of Fisher's Island versus Cypress Point versus Oakmont versus Crystal Downs. Uh, you know, you and I are lucky We we get to play some of these courses, but everyone else is just on the outside looking in and, I'm feeling more and more like those those top one hundred lists are kind of a relic from a different era,
0: oh, I agree, and you know you think about you know this moment that golf is having right now, right where you know <laughs> golf is a sport that that doesn't catch moments all that often, you know they kind of come every you know maybe twenty years um and we're in one right now, and it's a very weird you know batch of circumstances that has created it but imagine if all these people who are coming back to the game, finding, you know, reasons to love golf again, finding time, probably more than anything, um, had an opportunity to go and experience the very best of American golf during this time while their interest is at a, at a peak. I, it it could fundamentally, you know, change the outlook for the game for a long time, but, um, it just, it's just really to your point, it's really not an option. And that—that that is unfortunate. Although I, th- I think we, we have more great golf publicly
1: available now than we maybe ever have. So, so there's a lot of good there too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was just abandoned not too long ago and I mean, it's incredible and, and their prices are very fair given the market, but it's, it's not cheap. I mean Mm-mm. the, you know, the average Muni golfer, I mean, them to get to Bandon and and stay there and play every course once i mean it's a big ticket even even at what i think is a fair price and um so it's 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 you know golf has always been kind of aspirational uh and that's okay but um i really wish there'd be more investment in in the, the munis you know I, when i see tiger woods building these these private courses and these super high-end housing development it's like he should spend the rest of his life building ten dollar municipal courses in every city in america i mean what an incredible legacy does he need another five or ten million dollar commission i mean it's hard to imagine he does and for a guy who grew up on ratty public courses like what what how cool would that be if you just gave back said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna buy the land myself i'm gonna donate my services and we're gonna just give this community an incredible golf course and you know, Jack Nicklaus could do that. A lot of guys could do it, and that that would do, I think, more to grow the game to use use an old cliche than almost anything else. Because it's pretty grim. I mean, a lot of cities, there might be one or two golf courses, and they're flat, with little push up greens, and the, the the people who play them are missing out on the artistry and the beauty of the course to a large degree because the playing field's so basic and. Um, I would, I would love to see the USGA and the PGA of America. I mean, Augusta national, like, you know, put your money where your mouth is and, and just build great, super affordable courses um, or just fix up the ones that already exist. You know, there's already, yeah. uh, you don't, you don't even need to get a new piece of land. You could use the existing footprint. Like, cause when you do it, like at, um, as, as you know, it's starting to happen, when these courses come back online, it's, it's, it's a celebration and everyone loves them and you get so much out of them. And um, so anyway, that's my little soapbox, but um, I I do think there's, there's, even as I get to benefit from, I get to play these courses, I I still feel like there's something fundamentally wrong with the golf world that 99% of golfers don't get to play, you know, really fun golf courses that often.
0: Yeah. well, That's a good soapbox Bill, And I, couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you've, you've got an, a window here where if the powers that be the five families and some of our most, you know, influential um, individuals decided to make that kind of a, a, a move with, you know, municipal and public facilities, it really would fundamentally you know change the foundation of the game for a long time, but we'll, we'll see. I'm not going to hold my breath, but um yeah you know, it would be cool. Let me ask this talk about kind of the future uh, of the game. I'd be remiss not to ask you kind of how you feel about the state of um golf media and uh uh people who are putting words together about the game these days
1: yeah it's interesting i mean it, it's been a tough year for for everyone and a lot of industries, but the sports media and the golf media has been hit really hard um, you know certain trends that were already in in motion have been exacerbated by Corona and, uh, you know, the dismantling of, of GolfChannel.com, And, um, the, that that's been a bummer to see. I mean, I was, that was a really good website, a lot of talented people, um, you know, golf golf week is a lie. You know, it went monthly a while ago. Golf world's been gone for a, for a good long while, but I still miss that. Um, you know, golf magazines, we've gone down to eight issues a year from 12. Uh, so it's, it's tough. I mean, good journalism is, is not cheap. And, uh, and it's funny because when I go, you know, I take my kids to the movies, I'm happy to pay my, my $12. I understand there's a cost to produce a movie and when I go to Barnes Noble, you know, I know I'm gonna have to pay for a book, but people just want, they want journalism to be free and, um, uh, And so the athletic has helped change that a little bit, but it's still, uh, you know, they have have yet to commit to really covering the sport. I mean, they have a Brendan Quinn's talented guy, but he's only out there a handful of times a year. And so even the one model where people are paying for, for good content, they have, they haven't really embraced golf yet. And so, uh, you know, it's challenging. There's, 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 there's fewer and fewer typists. There's, there's more content creators, and uh you know a lot of the videos and the podcasts and all that they're really well done and and i i enjoy them like everybody else but uh you know to to kind of get lost in in a a richly reported well-written story i mean that's become more rare i'm i think the the golfer's journal has done a great job and kind of creating a community and and showing the value of, of a beautiful product but it is only four times a year like it um so it's it's a challenge. I mean, i i kind of I kind of wonder what's what it's going to look like in in ten years. I mean, if, if there's even going to be any any sports riders left, you know, it's more and more uh, as as things become more digital and it's more kind of uh, consumable. A lot of it's being done in house because, uh, you know, when when I go to tournaments there's more PGA tour.com staffers and there are actual reporters and they have more resources and they have more access and the players know that they're going to be taken care of um, that essentially those content creators are working for the players. And so um, it's just a totally different dynamic than um, you know, traditional, traditional reporters. So it's, it's complicated. I mean, we're, we're, we're hanging on, but it's, it's, it's it's been it's been a very challenging time.
0: Well, yeah, it is. And you know, I I hold on to faith that there's still a future there. Um you know, I, I I I give you guys a lot of credit. You know, I always enjoy uh the the sort of mix between what you and uh Bamberger put out. I just always love going back and forth between especially when y'all are both at an event. Um it just it's a great, you know great sandwich of reading. Um, I just always really enjoy that. Look forward to those pieces when they come out and hopefully we'll, uh, uh, we'll continue to have a future with
1: words, but you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. I mean, I appreciate that. And it's, you know, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I, I know that my job is basically to give people something to read while they're on the throne. Like, you know, this is, not, <laughs> this is not national security that we're, we're reporting upon or anything like that. But, uh, you know, golf does have an incredible literary tradition and, uh, whether Grantland Rice helped found Augusta national, but, uh, you know, from Herbert Warren Wynn to Dan Jenkins, uh, go on down the list. I mean, there's always been such great writing about, about the game and, um, you know George Plimpton's small ball theory: the smaller the ball, the better the writing. You know, baseball and golf has always had, you know, really um, it's attracted you know certain uh, literary dreamers, and so uh, it, it'll be it'll be sad if if that sort of fundamental DNA is lost because um, the sport really lends itself to reflection and and intimacy, and uh, if you don't have people on site with access and uh, that's just going to disappear. So, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm kind of a dinosaur. I mean, I grew up before cell phones, before the internet and, uh, you know, I, and all those old timers were still around. I mean, I, I see Jim Murray in the press room during the West coast swing. And I was, I was more starstruck by him than Jack Nicholas. You know, the, the, the writers were my heroes, uh, not, not the, not the golfers. And so, um, you know i i hope i can keep doing what i'm doing I'm, uh, I, I really enjoy the challenge of, of writing these long pieces and uh, yeah and it's some, something i love doing and it's nice that there there are people out there who still want to read them but uh i, I definitely i you know i when i look down the road it's i wonder how long any of us are going to get to get to keep keep doing this or if we're all just gonna be replaced by 25 year old pga tour staffers or making TikToks. so we'll We'll see. There's, there's a battle going on for the soul of, of, of the golf media and it's not really clear which side is going to win yet.
0: Well, fingers crossed. Uh, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll still have places where, uh, a few, uh, well-constructed verses can, uh, can live and thrive and be appreciated. Um, I know you got to jump, but, uh, next time I make my way out to, uh, Carmel, I'll, I'll give you a ring and we can, uh, flush it all out a little bit
1: more on the golf course oh, i it. look forward to it that's definitely happening so yeah yeah let me know i'm here for sure so th- thanks for having me jay this this cool, was good man. fun yeah man
0: thanks alan appreciate you man and uh look forward to reading your next piece right, take care. thanks bye all right you
1: too bye